With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast after a particularly eventful transfer deadline day for Everton. Anyone who uh, tunes into our Facebook Live yesterday with myself, Adam Jones and Chris Beasley will know we, we touched upon a few uh, subjects that uh, that were happening in the window, but we've got a much clearer idea now that at least most of the European windows have slammed shut. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, today, joined by Adam Jones, Dave Prentice and Paul Wheelock. Uh, long day for you yesterday, Adam? Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. What did your shift end up clocking in as yesterday? Uh, 15 hours is, is what it ended up as. You know, starting with uh, starting with the Ben Godfrey announcement coming at 9am and ending with uh, the, the the second announcement of the day, Robin Olsen clocked in at about I think 10 past 11, was it? And quarter past 11, something like that. So we still had stuff to do after that announcement as well. So, yeah, it was a, it was a long day, but it's worth it for days like that. How did you spend deadline day, Preno? Was it, uh, was it, was it glued to Sky Sports News? Uh, no, of course not. It was uh, glued, glued to Facebook Live and yourselves, and you know, sort of update, <laughs> updating the uh, the Echo app every five minutes. Um, I, I was busy doing other things, but I was keeping a you know sort of close eye on it. And yeah, ultimately, I was relatively satisfied with the um, with the business that was done. Uh, the caveat being that I think the Championship window is still open, isn't it, for a little while longer. So there's still a potential for maybe uh, another forward to come into the squad before, uh, not to give Adam another busy day in uh, like a week's time. <laughs> but um, no, I just think that obviously the Moyes keen decision, you know, sort of to allow him uh, to leave, leaves us maybe uh, a little bit, you know, sort of light in that area, whilst accepting that, you know, obviously Richarlison can play a central role and there are other players that can also fit in. But, you know, so possibly potential for one more player still to come in. But now overall, uh, you know, so quite satisfied and quite happy with the business that was done. Paul, was uh, was Thomas quite excited last night? Not as excited as he was on Saturday afternoon and Sunday night, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> after the uh, after the, the Everton win in Liverpool. Uh, defeats, no, no, it was, yeah, it's just been a brilliant few days, hasn't it, to be an Evertonian, to be honest. And uh, we'd done our main business, but it was it was nice to get that fourth centre-back in, which I know we've all spoke about on this podcast recently, felt was needed. And after Saturday, uh, I imagine a, a number of Evertonians were quite glad to see a goalkeeper come in as well, given the way uh, Jordan Pickford uh, played and his mistake uh, on Saturday but yeah I'm re- we were really happy in this household it's been a great couple of days and it, f- it feels like bar from potentially a striker you know because that would be a bit of a worry if say Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison was to get injured it, it feels like it's been an excellent window all, all in all So Adam we'll start with you and we'll start with uh, with Robin Olsen who, who kind of completed a late move to Everton last night the Roma goalkeeper I don't imagine like any of us you've seen uh, loads of them, but do you think Everton would have signed Robin Olsen if that goal against Brighton doesn't happen on the weekend? It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, 
Robin Olsen's a, a really interesting prospect. Obviously, he caught the minds of a lot of people in that 2018 World Cup, didn't he? Where, of course, obviously, Jordan Pickford performed quite well himself, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, Robin Olsen, I remember Robin Olsen having a few uh, good games for Sweden during that tournament. But, uh, yeah, I haven't seen all that much of him since. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's as you say, you know, it was just another mistake from Jordan Pickford against Brighton. And it was something that I said on the Facebook Live yesterday, I think, with Everton having addressed areas of the squad that really needed addressing, i.e. like the midfield and the defence particularly, uh, over the course of the summer already, it kind of just highlighted the issue that we've already got with Jordan Pickford uh, between the posts. And uh, it, it's only been, well, I wouldn't say it's been getting worse. I think it's probably just steadily like stayed consistently an issue for us over the last few months with Pickford uh, especially. So I think... The, the desire to bring in a goalkeeper probably makes sense to me. You know, we had obviously links to Sergio Romero and Paolo Gazaniga earlier in the day, and I would have been happy with either of those coming in. And uh, I'm happy enough with Robin Olsen coming in as well, because I think it's it's a short-term fix, certainly. You know, he's only coming in on loan, but I think he does provide more significant competition to Pickford than Jonas Lovesall would, for example. And I mean... Jao Virginia is probably not ready to be stepping up to the Premier League yet, so I'd leave, I'd leave him out of that for the time being. But yeah, in terms of in terms of like Losel in particular, I think Robin Olsen's going to be providing Pickford with a little bit more competition, and you know it's it's hopefully just going to give Pickford a little bit of a, a kick up the backside over the next few weeks. To be honest, you know he, he can't be making these mistakes uh, consistently over the course of this season because you know while we've started this season well. You know, it, as as always happens in football, teams will be able to work out how we play and they'll be able to shut us down a lot more effectively. So these mistakes that Pickford is making, while they might not have cost us any points yet, if he keeps making them in the future, I think it's only a matter of time before they do. So he needs to cut them out of his game and fingers crossed the arrival of another international goalkeeper uh, to, to uh, push him a little bit will hopefully uh, improve his game a little bit. Is that is that where you see his his role at the moment, Olsen Preno, as as competition and, and a, basically a warning to Jordan Pickford, saying, "Look, this carries on for another couple of games or another couple of mistakes, you're out the team." It clearly does. I mean, it, it's an acceptance, I think, by by Carlo Ancelotti that there's a problem. Um, you know, having spoken so vociferously in defence of Jordan Pickford only a week earlier. Uh, and having pointed out how well he performed against Tottenham and, you know, so how well he's performed for the national team, to then go out and bring in an experienced international goalkeeper uh, with, what is it, 38, you know, so full caps for his country, says that, well, yes, we do have a problem. Uh, hopefully it's only a short-term problem, but there is something that's there. And I don't think he wanted to go any further without experienced backup and somebody that can step into the breach if necessary if Jordan's you know meltdown continues you know uh, beyond the, you know, the derby match that we can make a change fairly quickly uh, you've got a feel for Jonas Lossel but you know so clearly Ancelotti has decided that you know he's not quite at the level to provide that competition I think he's only got the one international cap hasn't he whereas obviously Olsen's a, a very seasoned international campaigner who could step straight in and I think it's just it, it's cover it's covered that if Jordan continues doing what he's doing, uh, that yes, we can make that change. And I think it also is a warning. It's also, look, I don't know what's going on mentally with you here, but you know, this is 
two, maybe three, you know, so high profile blunders that have happened now. And it wasn't just dropping the ball, uh, you know, Morpé's feet. There was a, an incident shortly after that as well, where he beat the ball straight back out uh, on, you know, in, in the middle of the penalty area. There's been a number of things that you look at and think, oh, is is he struggling mentally at the moment, or psychologically? Uh, you know, is is he not concentrating the way he should do? So yeah, it, it, it's a warning. Uh, it's experienced cover. Should it be required? But most of all, it's an acceptance that yeah, there's a problem here, and uh, he's gone some way to try to address it. I think me and you, Preno, have uh, have stuck up for for Jordan on on this podcast we have, we have, quite yeah. a few times. So is is it? A, I don't know. Do, do you feel a bit of disappointment at the moment that he just doesn't quite seem to be? getting that form back that I think we all know that he's capable of or is it just I mean you've, you've seen a lot of keepers come and go for Evan yeah I, I'm finding myself finding it impossible to defend him anymore I mean I know we both have uh, very very enthusiastically because we saw the level of performances he was producing um, consistently in his first season in his first 18 months at the football club but I just wonder sometimes the very very best goalkeepers are the goalkeepers that are asked to do very little uh, but when they are asked to do something spectacular or something efficient they do it with a minimum of fuss and I always get the impression that Jordan is very, very good when he's asked to be busy, when he's under pressure, uh, when the shot's firing in at him. And, you know, he's very, very good at shot stopping and keeping those shots out. And I wonder, that you know, is he capable of taking that next step uh, to become a goalkeeper that is asked to do very little, which is what we want him to be. You know, we want Everton Football Club to be uh, a team that defends very, very well, screens its goalkeeper very well. But when necessary, that goalkeeper is capable of producing absolutely top-class saves. And only the very, very elite-level goalkeepers can do that. Um, you could even argue that maybe Tim Howard towards the end, you know, so it wasn't capable of doing that. Nigel Martin's the last one I can think of that was absolutely top class at that. You know, you, you wouldn't hear of him for 18 minutes, but when necessary, we produce an absolutely blind and safe. And um, yeah, there's, Jordan needs to prove that he can do that. Uh, Everton have improved this season, and you know, so they have improved in all levels, but he hasn't personally, and he's got to get back to that level of performance that he showed that he was doing in the first 12 or 18 months uh, at Everson Football Club. And if he doesn't, well, you know, he's going to be losing his place and obviously his international place could be uh, at risk as well. So now I'm finding it tough uh, to, to defend him anymore, to be perfectly honest. He's, he's beginning to make the Perdoas look a bit soft. Wheeler, where, where do you stand on Jordan Pickford? Do you think, are you, on the one hand, do you consider he's still a young man in goalkeeping terms? Well, he's a, he's a young man in general, and you think he can turn it back to, as Preno says, that opening 18 months of his Everton career when he was named, I think, player's player, fan's player. You won all the awards you could in, in, in that tumultuous first season. Or is he past the point of no return for you? Do you think he's almost reached that Joe Hart-type level of, of uh, the confidence that's just kind of gone in him from his defenders and, and maybe even a little bit from himself? I don't know if he's <clears throat> past the point of no return, but I think he's rapidly approaching it. You know, that first season he was outstanding. And as Adam said earlier, I think gradually or maybe steadily is probably the best word that he, his performance levels have dropped off to an alarming level, you know, after lockdown, after the Premier League returned. And unfortunately, there's been two, three potential, definitely two, maybe three goals this season where you look at him and, and say, you're at fault there. And it's a dangerous game because I don't want to brand him a liability because he's clearly not. He's clearly an outstanding goalkeeper. He's never let England down. That's why he continues to be the, the country's number one. 
but he is in danger of becoming slightly liable because you look at that game on Saturday against Brighton, I thought we were absolutely outstanding in the first half and this was like a, a Brighton team who battered United, you know, a week before and were very unlucky to lose and supposedly I didn't see the game but played very well against Chelsea in their first match of the season. Didn't have a shot at goal for 45 minutes and then all of a sudden he drops one, uh, Mopai scores and then for the final few minutes of the half before Mina uh, put us back in front, Brighton looked dangerous and you know it certainly gave them confidence for the second half to have a go at us as well and it's you just can't have it, it's, it's tough being Everton goalkeeper, it's tough being England goalkeeper, there's a lot of responsibility but he's got to stand up and he, he's got to step up to the plate and I, I, Preno mentioned it there and I remember you guys talking about it on the pods probably after the mistakes against Fleetwood and you, you were bang on like he, he is a goalkeeper who when it's quiet you you worry and I'm beginning to see that a lot more now I've never actually seen it before and you know if we're going to become a better team and move up the league there's going to be hopefully as Preno rightly says there there's going to be a lot more times where we're not actually having our goalkeeper on to make too many saves so when he does he's got to step up and, and yeah I just hope Alton signing the fact that he's a he's an upgrade on Lossell and Virginia it, it is that kick up the backside because he needs it there's no doubt about it he needs it he's a good goalkeeper no one's doubting that but he's got to try and get back to the level he was showing in in those first season and a half to say the least has, has anyone seen much of, of Olsen or are we kind of all all going in blind apart from, as Adam mentioned, the, the World Cup? There's your answer. It's tough that, doing this over the phone because you can't like make eye contact with anyone to, to see who's, uh, who's chiming in. Yeah, big but shoes I, to I, fill, I think it's just the fact that an international goalkeeper has been brought in with his number of senior international appearances, which is, you know, relatively reassuring. You don't get that many international caps without being, you know, relatively steady. Although, you know, Jordan Pickford himself is probably nearing that number of international caps now. So, uh, you know, we don't know, to be perfectly honest. Um, we're just taking a bit of a punt on the fact that um, you know, the, the club's recruitment once again has got it right. And let's face it, they haven't made many bad steps this summer, have they? So let's just hope this is another step in the right direction. Well, we'll go all the way from, from the back to, to the very front. And I think one of the most interesting moves of, of last night, Adam, was certainly Sandro Ramirez. I think <laughs> we were saying before, out of Balassi, Besic and Sandro, it, it seemed almost certain that Besic might get a move. There, were, there was rumours of Balassi late on, but it all seemed quite quiet on Sandro. Yeah. Do we kind of have to say fair play to him? I, I can't offer life for me see SD Huesca paying the kind of money Everton might have been there paying him, and, and he's chosen to kind of break free from his contract and, and go and try and kickstart his career there. Yeah, I suppose there's probably an, uh, an element of that. I think, you know, it's probably become patently clear to him over the past few seasons that he's just never going to make it at Everton unfortunately and uh, yeah I think he had a well he had a more solid loan move last season than any of his previous loan moves which I know isn't really saying a lot considering his other loan moves but you know he actually scored some goals while he was on loan at Valladolid last season so you know to, to be able to go out there and just you know he's still He's still a young lad, isn't he, really, in, in, in sort of relative terms. You know, he's not reached the peak of his career yet, I wouldn't say. So he's still he's still a striker who can go out there and prove himself. And he's going back to his home country. And, you know, he can he can just step up and, you know, just play some football. You've only got a short career as a footballer, haven't you? So you need to try and eke out as much of it as you possibly can. And maybe Sandro's just got to that realisation where he's just thinking, look, I'm still... 
I'm still at a good age here. I can still go out and I can still do this. I'm not going to get the chance at Everton. Like it's it's time for me to it's time for me to suck it up, step up, and and move on. And yeah, I think it's probably it's probably good for Everton that they've managed to get his wages off the books. And it was good the you know the club have waived any sort of transfer fee to allow this sort of move to happen. And you know it's it's good from Sandro as well to be able to say, look, I I, I do just want to. I do just want to step up and move on here. So yeah, I've got to say, good luck to him. It's a it's a shame that it didn't work out. After all the excitement that we had when we when we first signed him, of course, you know, it's it's a real shame to see the uh, the transfer pan out the way it has done. But yeah, good luck to him in the future. Is it almost a little bit sad looking back, Preno? I mean, personally, I remember the the, the summer we signed Sandro. I was on holiday with me mate in Spain and the bar we used to go to each night would play La Liga goals and uh, and Sandro seemingly scored well, 15 worldies that season and, and he got <laughs> it most nights and it was a couple of days after we'd signed him and I remember most nights just saying we're going to win this league this season Sandro <laughs> Sandro and Plasson are going to run it uh, obviously the few vodka oranges deep at that point but is, is it almost kind of looking back that summer you know, we've moved on so far now, haven't we? You just cannot see the recruitment we're making now under brands currently. You know, when you look at San, uh, yeah. Sandro Hames and, and Alan and Decore, it seems like there's a real plan in place, whereas that did seem like a real scattergun summer now, looking back. It, it was a scattergun summer, but I think it, it's also wrong to try and hold Sandro Ramirez up as like yeah. a, a, a symptom of how poor the recruitment was that summer because he was... Uh, a justifiable risk and he was a player that you know we were absolutely justified in trying to sign uh, the fact that you can't make eye contact with me and see me now means that you can't see me scrambling rapidly through Wikipedia uh, to tell you that he scored 14 league goals in 30 appearances for Malaga uh, the season that we signed him uh, we got him for 5 million uh, you know, it was absolutely uh, a risk worth taking. Uh, at the time, he was only 22, I think it was. And so, yeah, you've got a young striker who's just scored a goal every other game in La Liga, um, who was available for a knockdown fee. So, yeah, 100%, it was a, it was a deal worth, well, a risk worth taking. It just didn't work out for him because, as we've often found out in the past, uh, as, as Liverpool found out with Diego Aspas, uh, a similar player, who's gone back to Spain and done really well again, they're just not suited to the physicality and the intensity of the English Premier League, which is very, very different uh, to some of the leagues on the continent. So it was a risk worth taking, but unfortunately it never worked out for him and he never, ever really looked comfortable um, you know, in English football. His attitude was decent. I remember a, a pre-season friendly last summer um, away at uh, Berry, I think it was, where you could tell he was absolutely, you know, sort of running himself, you know, so sort of soft. He was desperately trying to make things happen. But similar to Davy Class in the same summer, it just wasn't ever going to happen, really, because his style of football wasn't quite right for the English Premier League. So, yeah, it's sad that, you know, it didn't work out for him. It's sad that he's had to, you know, sort of go elsewhere. But, you know, he's, he's had his little, you know, sort of go at English football. It didn't work out for him. And I hope he has a success elsewhere. But I think it's wrong to, you know, sort of label him as a symptom of that awful summer. So many other players that summer, we should never have gone near. But I think uh, Sanjo was probably, a, you know, a risk worth taking. It just never worked out, unfortunately. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we, we've cleared some wage space off the bill. We allow for Sandro moving him on. And it also uh, transpired on deadline day that we loaned Theo Walcott back to Southampton. Uh, and, and we're going to split his pretty considerable wages with the club that he started his career at. Another player who you could say it didn't quite work out for. I mean, he's he done a lot better than Sandro. But again, you've got to say good business from, from Marcel Brands and, and everyone involved because I don't think Theo was going to get much of a look in this season was he no no I'm, I'm, I've got nothing against Theo Walker I don't think he was anywhere near the player he was at Arsenal but I, I don't think he ever let himself down attitude wise and there were times before Carlo came in where he'd hold his position on the right he'd always cover Seamus Coleman and even though I was never that excited at seeing him in the starting lineup, I know he'd, he'd try and do his job but it's just it's again it's just not worked out for him to be honest and the big thing for me is like you see how much trouble Anthony Gordon has had recently trying to get into league squads uh, despite the fact that he's been brilliant in the League Cup and I just felt like we, we had too many players holding him back and obviously Awobi seems to be ahead of Gordon in the pecking order at the moment and did pretty well when he came on against Brighton but to me it was just it felt the right sign it felt like the signing needed at the time because I think it was Allardyce in charge, wasn't it? And we were desperately lacking goals, which was like still as a consequence of what had happened the, the previous summer. We've only bringing in Sandro as a forward. And I'm sure he had a great game early on. I'm sure he scored, was it two against Leicester? When Coleman, Leicester, yeah. Yeah, when Coleman made his comeback, didn't he, from the, the long-term yeah, injury? Yeah. There were moments, but he's just, he probably wasn't the player he was at Arsenal. And there were probably times as well when, he'd actually make the runs but we just didn't have the players capable of playing him in you know you could tell he was an intelligent player from the way he played with people like Fabregas at Arsenal I just think again similar to to Sandro but not but nowhere near as bad the circumstances just just wasn't right for him and and clearly since then we've we've got better players than him in those positions and as I say one in Gordon who we, we need to give some game time to so I was not too fussed to see Walcott leave but wish him all the best and it sounds like a good move for us and a good move for him so Walcott, Sandro, Moise Keane, all out, Adam. Are we a striker light? Uh, in my opinion, yeah, probably. Yeah, I was a bit surprised to see uh, a few forward options go. Uh, I was very happy to see Bernard stay after after, yeah. the, after the rumours, you know, that he might be on on his way out as well. You know, in that case, I think it's good that we kept as many forward options as possible. Uh, in terms of Walcott leaving, I think you know we we alluded to it there. You know, I think it would probably it would probably be good to see Anthony Gordon just step up into his place in the squad. Really, I think Gordon probably offers a little bit more than Walcott. I think he's a bit more creative in the final third, and he's got a tiny bit more of a goal threat. I'd say, uh, considering what I've seen from him in the 23s and the 18s. So I'd like to see him step up into that position. But you know, you you do just wonder you see yourself if you know if touch woods. Fingers crossed he doesn't, but Dominic, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin were to pick up any sort of injury over the international break or anything like that, well, we've got Richarlison to step up into that position, yeah, but apart from that, who else have we got really? You know, we've still got Cenk Tosin coming back from injury, you know, we'll, we'll need to rehabilitate him. 
uh, once he's fully fit again. Uh, we've got Ellis Sims who could step up and, you know, maybe the club might see this as an opportunity for Sims to make that step up into the first team now. You know, I think a few people have been clamouring for that for a few months, haven't they? So it'd be interesting to see if he does sort of grab his opportunity and, uh, and does step up to the first team. But personally, I'd quite like to see, you know, some sort of other experience forward come in and just give Calvert-Lewin a little bit of help because, you know, I was speaking to Michael Ball earlier today, funnily enough, and he said the uh, he said the same thing. You know, we don't want to be left in a sort of situation that we had with Romelu Lukaku and we were relying on him far too much. And, you know, if, if Lukaku didn't have a good game or if he was carrying a little bit of an, an injury or something like that, then usually Everton wouldn't perform well because we just wouldn't have the players to be able to step in and replace him in the side. We don't want to be left with that with Calvert-Lewin. We don't want to be putting too much pressure on him. Uh, even at this stage, you know, when he's performing well, you know, we, we kind of need to be lightening the load on him almost and, you know, just letting him letting him freely go about his game. So, yeah, I, 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 I would have quite liked to see another striker come in. Obviously, there's still, there's still a championship window where, like, you know, we can bring in players from lower leagues up until the 16th, is it? think uh, that that's open till so maybe we could see some sort of move there um, I'm, I'm not sure but yeah even then it's still only what 80, 80 odd days until the yeah. January transfer window yeah. opens so it might just be a case of them you know saying you know we can last until January with the options that we've got and you know if uh, as, as we've kept saying throughout the course of the transfer window if Carlo actually is fine with it then I'm, I think I'm fine with it to be honest because who am I to argue with Carlo Ancelotti Josh King as a name mentioned I've seen today that he's 2-1 to one to join Everton would you be uh, would you be hitting your light no likey no likey <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'd be the way in the world no uh, I think he's I think he was maybe a little bit underrated during his time Bournemouth I, I saw him play a lot of times during his little spell in the Premier League and I always thought he was very impressive he's got linked to Manchester United quite a lot in the past hasn't he so he's quite, clearly got quite a lot of qualities uh, he's very versatile can play across the front three as well can't he so his big physical presence got a goal threat about him uh, yeah I, I, I think I'd be up for that you know but it, it, it all depends on whether the right deal comes up isn't it you know if we could get it for the right price or maybe if it was a loan deal or something like that I think all of these things have got to be taken into consideration but you know if it, if it transpired to it was Josh King then. Yeah, I'd be all for it, to be honest. As Adam says, Preno, it is only 80-odd days between windows. Do you think it's more of a case that Everton will sit tight now after you know, what, what has been a, a decent summer kind of outlay? I think they've, they've proved and they've showed that they're <laughs> not willing to be bullied in the, uh, the transfer market. I mean, obviously the two goalkeeping links, um, you know, Romero and Gazaniga, uh, fell down because both clubs wanted permanent deals because, as we're led to believe, the, the clubs that are releasing them perceive Everton as a threat now. <laughs> so I didn't want to be yeah. loaning players to, uh, to threats, which, which is very odd. But, you know, some Everton aren't going to be you know, so bullied for the sake of 80-odd days. I, like Adam, I, I quite like Josh King, and I think that would be a decent option. Um, I think he would certainly offer us more than, uh, than, than Moise Keane was offering us. And I've spoken of my frustrations in the past about Moise Keane. I think it's probably a good resolution for both clubs, provided he gets game time at PSG. I'm not sure he is going to get that much more game time there. 
Uh, but, you know, he's clearly a young man that needs to develop his game and needs to build certain aspects of his game. And he wasn't getting the opportunity to do that at Everton because he wasn't playing often enough. And whether he will do in France, uh, I don't know. Uh, but he wasn't offering us a great deal on the occasions that he came in. Whereas I think Josh King would, uh, like, he's still, like, like Adam said, he's got physicality, he's got presence and he's got, you know, experience of uh, Premier League football. I mean, that was second guessing that that is a guy they're going to push the boat out to try and bring in. Um, you know, so if he is priced out of a, a deal, uh, I think they probably will sit tight, mindful of the fact that Richarlison, and I'm crossing my fingers here that he doesn't suffer any more injury problems, uh, can play that central role very, very comfortably. And keeping my fingers, keeping my fingers crossed that Dominic Calvert-Lewin continues the, uh, the run of form that he's had and doesn't have a little dip at some stage, uh, which he's showing no signs of doing at the moment. But yeah, it's, it's not a huge amount of time to go through until January. And the fixtures... Are pretty much, you know, every seven or eight days. Uh, I mean, the the next leg of the quarter final, uh, so ne- next round of the uh, the League Cup, isn't until you know the week before Christmas. Um, so you know, we haven't got a glut of fixtures uh, apart from the three internationals in the space of six days, which is a bit of a weird one. Uh, but you know, club football, you know, they are spaced out fairly evenly. So I think we probably could, in inverse commas, get away with this uh, until the next window. I think obviously a centre half was a very, very important uh, hole to fill. It was vital we did that. We've done that, and we can probably you know sort of fiddle around with the other striking options. Um, and Paul Trent Tokson has, has spoken on his Everton future a few times and he's kind of said, you know, I want to stay and, and I think he's even kind of said that he got the feeling that Carlo Ancelotti wants them to say and I think we all kind of took that with a pinch of salt but we get to this point of the window and he might have been telling the truth all along and he, he does still have a, a future there but it'd be quite a strange one, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, not completely written him off, but I think, again, his future is probably away from Goodison Park and with the brutal truth is we probably need better than him as backup to, to Dominic and, and, and Richarlison up front. But as, as Prenner rightly says there, the fact that we've only got like one game a week now before Christmas, apart from that uh, cup quarter final, would suggest that Touchwood, they, they both stay fit and, and then probably Cenk Tosin won't won't be needed. I, th- I think Josh King's an interesting one, just to, to add to what the lads have been saying there. I used to watch him, funnily enough, for Blackburn when I used to cover the club for a, a local paper in those parts. And back then, he couldn't actually get in the team because they had two players called Jordan Rhodes and Rudy Gostead, who were really good championship goal scorers. So I've kind of followed his career closely and I always try and watch him at Bournemouth because he's come on an absolute ton. Uh, and actually, most of the, a lot of the times when he's played against Everton, I'm pretty sure not only he's scored, he's, he's impressed a lot. And I, I know he's in the last year of his contract there he is 28 but Bournemouth have gone down and obviously like most clubs you go down to the championship after cut costs and you just wonder maybe they might even look for a loan maybe take him off maybe like we've done with Walcott and take him off the books for a year you never know because it's just it's maybe not the sign that we need because he's he's 28 and we, we kind of look apart from those midfielders for younger players nowadays but I just think and with, with Dave and Adam, really, I, I wouldn't be against signing him. And I, I do think probably for the rest of the season, we do need a, another striker because I still wouldn't be against if Cenk Tosin gets back fit and gets back in the squad. I still think long term, you'd, you'd look to move him out the door, to be honest. And just to just to kind of finish off, Adam, we've got a week left, I think, of the, the EFL window. If, if we could find kind of temporary homes for Bezic, Balassi, and then, you know, Pennington, Connolly... Um, and, and a couple of other lads from the 23s, it, it'd be a pretty perfect window, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, I think already you've got to be rating this a, easily like a, a 9 out of 10 sort of window already. I think, you know, over the course of the window, we, as I said earlier, we've highlighted the positions in the squad that we needed to strengthen the most, and I think we've achieved our aims in pretty much every position. You know, we, as I say, yesterday we got 
that goalkeeper in, we got a, a fourth a fourth centre back, a fourth senior centre back option in, which I think was really important. Obviously, we've addressed the midfield. We've got creativity coming in in James Rodriguez. We've got, you know, rather surprisingly, we got a backup left back in Niels and Kunku, who uh, has just been a revelation so far this season. So yeah, I think all all that it would take now, perhaps, is to uh, is to find new homes for. A, a bit, a few members of the squad who, you know, let's let's face it, they just aren't going to get their chances this season. Uh, it's probably best for them, you know, in, especially in terms of the likes of Balassi, who, you know, he will he will just want to be going out and playing football. But I think, you know, as we saw from Carlo Ancelotti's press conference last week, it's probably not going to come at Everton, is it? So he does need to try and get himself a move. There were, you know, talks of perhaps a potential switch to Turkey at some point on deadline day, but. They uh, they never really materialised into something into something bigger. So yeah, fingers crossed he can find himself a move, whether that's in the championship or whether I think Portugal's window's still going to be open for a little bit. So you know I think uh, Russia's window's still open for a little bit as well. So you know there's potential potentials there as well. And then like as you say, you know we've got a number of young players I think who'd still want to uh, want to move out on loan. You know a few few members of that under 23s team at the minute. You'd want to be getting out on loan, and then, yeah, as you say, the likes of Callum Connolly, uh, Matty Pennington. You know, they they could easily be taken off by Championship clubs. You know, they've had really good loan moves in the past, and I, I just wouldn't put it past them to, you know, either get another loan move or have a similar situation to Sandro, where it, you yeah. know, if a, if a club is interested enough, Everton might just say, yeah, we'll we'll waive the fee. You you lads go off and. You lads go off and get your football, and we'll just have you have, have you off the wage bill. I think that just works for all parties, really. So, yeah, there's still about ten days, I think, or so to to be able to work those things out. But I think as we stand, I think we're already at a pretty, pretty, pretty fantastic window, I'd say, in terms of Everton already. So, yeah, I think if we were to get a few of those players out and off the books for the uh, for the remainder of this campaign, at least, then yeah, I think it turns into a, a pretty perfect one. A nine out of ten, then, for the transfer window from Adam Preno. What, what, what would you give it? Um, I'd probably temper it a little. Eight out of ten, maybe. Just uh, the fact that yeah, so fact negative, that... so negative. <laughs> How can eight out of ten be negative? <laughs> Eleven out of ten, Preno, or none? Yeah, but that's because you're like absurdly optimistic, you know. So I'm, I'm just trying to show a little bit of voice and experience here. Uh, eight out of ten is okay, but you know, just because of the. The, the slight concern over the forward positions. But no, all in all, every single deal that has been hatched has been very, very good. Uh, possibly would have liked to have seen a couple more members off the wage bill, but that can still happen, as we've just said. Uh, so, you know, so it's, it's not ended just yet. But no, it, it certainly looks very, very positive. Uh, it, it's always a bit of a concern saying that because, you know, we, we were so excited about that 2017 transfer window, weren't we? Look how that <laughs> panned out. Well, no, I think we can safely say this one's been, you know, so an absolutely resounding success. And eight out of ten is good. So don't, don't be criticising that. We look. Are you going to be Mister Negative, like like Negative Preno, as we all call him, <laughs> or are you going to be Mister Positive, like Positive P? 
perfect match score and predictions Jones as his <laughs> as his roll off the tongue nickname now is. But bear in mind, Wheeler, yeah. before you answer, this is the man who admitted at the start of this podcast to drinking vodka and orange. <laughs> what, hey, what a drink that is, by the way. If you've never had a, a vodka orange, never lived. Oh. I got told I got told by an unnamed source that you chill in jeans at the weekend. You not have like a pair of like joggers or something. You can just a little pair of Everton shorts that you can just throw on around the house. Uh, when the weather's nice, yeah, but I'm not so sure it was that nice <laughs> at the weekend. <laughs> go on then, go on uh, then, Wheelow, Before uh, this descends into madness, I'll, I'll never follow get that. Uh, well, we got Hammers Rodriguez, haven't we? Absolutely running the show, so I'm going to give it ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, just go completely wow. positive. <laughs> well, thank you very much for for joining us, lads. We we will be back later on in the week. Uh, hope you've all enjoyed that kind of short and sweet roundup of the Everton transfer window. Uh, and obviously, we'll be approaching international break misery next week. So, if you've got any questions for for me or the lads or, or Phil Kirkride or, or Gav Buckland as well, um, get them in. Send them over on on Twitter or the Facebook group Royal Blue Podcast, and we'll work our way to them. Thank you very much for listening, lads. Thank you very much for joining us, and I will speak to you soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.